0: Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're in Madrid talking to Stacy and Jake about how God called them to Spain.
1: So I was... Uh in Texas as a youth minister, uh, and in Oklahoma for about 12 years, uh, really trying to help the next generation. Um, but I wasn't seeing great fruit. And there was a lot of pressure on me as a minister to to speak amazing lessons and to know every student and, you know, to, to walk alongside in, in all these ways. And so, you know, I just was on my knees like, God, you, you're just gonna have to help me and teach me and lead me. And we take a in my last four years of youth ministry we took ta- we took a few trips to Ecuador, where there are evangelistic trips. We're not debating people on the streets or apologetics, but we're just armed with prayer, our story God's story and I saw amazing things, and really, there was one moment that 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 basically shows all of it we We had gone out in the streets, we had shared the gospel with some kids for the first time, amazing fruit happened. They came back, they were saying, wow, you know, they're telling the stories. And then all of a sudden, my students started confessing and repenting and then worshiping. And I didn't preach this amazing lesson that led them there. It was like when you were doing what the spirit leads you to do, he just starts cleaning you and he just starts leading you. Um, So when we came back to Dallas, we were asking, man, how can we do this here? And um, we got connected to a group in Dallas. It's called the Gospel Conversations Training that we're doing it. They're going out and doing it. And and we received just some basic, simple, easy, reproducible training. And I asked some of the leaders to come help me with my youth group implement some of these ideas. How can I do a three-thirds with my students? How can there's a mobile home park right next to us. Maybe we could start going out and engaging. There's a foster care home that has 20 kids. Maybe we could start just showing up and going there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train all of my students in their testimony, 15-second testimony, three circles gospel. And I'm going to start changing my ministry from less me-centric and more equipping and mobilizing my students. And in the next 18 months was the most fruitful season of my life. Not because I was great, but because honestly, God was working through my students and we had like 30 kids baptized. We had all these, you know, hundreds of visitors starting to come and I'm just sitting back like, wow, God, this is what it's about. It's about equipping and raising up your saints uh, for the work, with just simple, easy, biblical, reproducible tools.
0: Um, I was definitely being stirred. I was always the youth minister's sidekick. You know, I did stuff in the background, but in my job, I was on the forefront. I was training people, leading people, um, dreaming about the future in this position. And then I felt like I had like a sidekick job in my other place. And I I didn't know how to reconcile that. How does this fit? How do these giftings fit into this? And um, actually, there came a moment during all of this happening I saw him just being so fruitful and being given opportunities to share testimonies and to lead groups going out and train. And, and I had a moment, it was in church one Sunday, and I just had a moment of surrender and I just fully surrendered to Jesus. And I was like, please show me what you made me for. I'm ready. Like I'm ready to take risks, steps of faith. Um, I, I just really want to be used in the kingdom. Will you show me? And looking back in that moment, I've never been the same since that moment, but it was he gave me um, a burden for the lost that I'd never had before. And he really um, gave me a hunger to experience him beyond knowledge. And so I had those two things to run with, and I didn't know exactly what that meant. But I went to this training, Gospel Conversations training with him. And, uh, we learn about the father's heart and how he wants all people to know and worship him, which now gave this burden for the lost. It it made sense to me now. Okay. This is what I do with that burden. And so I remember going out for the first time and, and knocking on doors just to practice these tools. And I was so nervous and I was praying, God, let these people have a job and be at work so they won't answer the door. But the first one I knocked on, it was a young gentleman. And I said, hey, we're out praying for the community. Can I pray for you? And he said, this is crazy. Last night, I was telling God, if you're real, give me a sign. And then you're on my doorstep. And it was just affirmation. Like God is saying, I'm out here in the deep end. I want you to jump in and I'll be with you. And so from that time, like I've never looked back, I've never slowed down. Like he said, this is it for us. And so we were kind of on parallel tracks towards the same vision. Mm. What happened next?
1: So in the midst of that, we felt a call to to go to a place that has less saturation, that has less workers, that, that is in, in darkness. And so we kind of began a journey of what that might look like. And for some reason we had Europe on our heart. And um, so we took a trip, got our feet in the ground, just started praying, God, you know, lead us. And he led us to Madrid. Um, And really it wasn't like a voice out of the sky that said, you know, this is the place, but he gave us a love for the city. The second we stepped on the ground Mm -hmm. and he, he opened a bunch of doors. We had, 12 opportunities just in connecting with people networking talking that were open to us in Madrid that weren't open to us in other locations and so we took that as the sign from God that this is the place Mm -hmm. so we moved here as pioneers there's no team there's no nothing set up just kind of come and start sharing the gospel on the street (laughs) and networking and, and just seeing what happens and uh yeah what, what, what happened was
0: next? that what was that like it was thrilling honestly it was because we weren't stepping into something that existed and trying to figure out how we fit into this existing thing it was just like we woke up and just followed the spirit every day and we're like what do you have today like we're ready um And and looking back on our time in Dallas, we we really ran with that team for two years. So we really got a good feel for how to get started. We really played through all the way through even planting a church and going through troubleshooting in that. So we hit the ground, you know, trained, kind of knowing what we're looking for. And really, yeah, there were tools and training. But in that two years, we learned how to hear the spirit and obey the spirit. That's what it really was. Right. And so that's what's transferable in any c- culture is being able to f- see where the spirit's working, hear what he says and and do it. And so that's what we did when we came like spirit, where are you working? Um, how can we join? We have a few tools that we started with just starting spiritual conversations with as many people as we could to kind of understand the climate. And I remember there was a really important conversation that we had with, um, a local leader and um she said you know we were asking her what what works here and what doesn't work like teach us about the culture of uh, the spiritual climate and she said i really don't want to tell you what hasn't hasn't worked because god brought you here for a reason and maybe he's doing something new so do that wow. and she was really the only one that said anything like that to us everyone was like this is the graveyard of missionaries this is the it's so hard the soil is so hard and it was like, God brought us that one leader that was like, he could do something new tomorrow and, and we want you to do it. And so that's what we've kind of lived by is, is God could really move tomorrow and we're ready. So.
1: so early on, God had put on my heart, you know, like, how do I introduce myself? And at, at first, the first two weeks I started just saying, you know, I'm here to learn English. Like I didn't want to oh, ruffle Spanish. any Spanish. Sorry. Didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Mm-hmm. But the spirit clearly spoke to my heart, saying, just be bold and say, Jesus has changed my life and God sent me here and just see what happens. And so when we started conversations like that, people were genuinely interested. What do you mean by that? And it led to some good conversations. So a local church heard about kind of what we were doing and starting conversations, and they invited me to go play paintball with their young men. So we go and play paintball. And then when we're done, it's a strange place to do it. But he said, Jake, would you share a little bit about what you do, your discipleship and your evangelism? So I shared and there was one gentleman afterwards who came up to me and wanted to know more about how he could reach his workplace. Mm -hmm. I said, that's great. I don't want to like steal you from a ministry. So let's go talk to your pastor and just make sure this is all okay. And it actually ended up being the pastor said, I love that idea. Why don't I gather five people and we do a discipleship group for a series of weeks? I said, that'd be great. So we did that. And on week four, uh, a guy named Brian had shared the gospel with his two of his coworkers and started gathering and meeting in a group, a three thirds group. We're like, wow. And from there, over the next three months, that expanded to about five groups and about 30 people all doing this. And it was scary because it felt out of control to the church, but it was just one of those things like you just lit the fuse and and God just took off with it. Mm -hmm. And so that was a a sign to us, like, man, if you can just be faithful in the little things, you just never know the, the catalytic people that are going to grab hold of it and kind of take off with it. Mm
0: -hmm. And, you know, Europe itself is very interesting. There's so many people groups here. And so there's just so many avenues and ways you could go and areas to focus. And I remember when we landed, we didn't feel like God gave us a specific people group or a specific place. Exactly. But he gave us a specific vision. And so we came and people are like, you know, what, who are you pursuing? Who's your people group? And we're like the lost, you know, everyone, everyone needs Jesus. And, and we really prayed like, God, send us the people of peace, put them in our path, mm-hmm. send us the catalytic leaders, the local people who want to take ownership of, of their community. And we're going to have our eyes open and look for them. And we had faith that he was going to bring them. And so whoever was in our path that day, we engaged with them because this could be the one we were praying for. And and those were the small steps of obedience that we tried to have a lifestyle of. And and we found, we found leaders, we found people of peace ready to hear the gospel. And so really it started out, we saw some Spaniards come to the Lord. And then um, right now we have several different streams of people, groups, unreached people groups from around the world. And so it's cool to see how God led us along the way and and we never would have guessed we would have worked with these few people groups that we have now. And so we're just so thankful that the Spirit chose and led us to them. Well, I was really praying for God to send me a few women. I really wanted to reach out to some women. And there were a couple that I had engaged with at my kids' school specifically that I felt like okay, I could push this along a little bit. And so I remember texting one and asking how she was really doing with, with all the COVID restrictions. And she said, I really lost a lot of freedoms and I really have identified that evil exists. I've never really admitted that evil exists. And if evil exists, I know there has to be an another side. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, uh, I just want to pray about that. Can I pray for you? And I just typed out a quick prayer, and she said, "It's so crazy you would pray for me because I've never believed in God, but I really believe there has to be a God if there's evil. And so I started just praying for her. I felt like God said, Move away and just pray for her. She needs time with that seed. Five months later, I looked back in my text recently. five months later, she invited me to a family picnic, which is strange for Spanish people. You don't get invited into family things. And she said um, she sat really close to me on the picnic blanket and she leaned in and said, I know there's some kind of scripture about where the truth is. There's freedom. Will you tell me the truth about God? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jake came over and we shared the gospel with her and she prayed out loud to God for the first time that day and told him that she wants to know who he is. She's ready. And over the course of this past year, she's really Experiencing him, and in fact, two days ago, she texted and said, "I was picking up my daughter from a play date, and the parents started talking to me about how God isn't real." And I, I, op- I wanted to open my mouth and and agree with them, like I always do, but my mouth wouldn't work. I couldn't open my mouth and deny God. And she was like, "Something is happening on the inside."
1: There was an Anglican church who also heard about um, our love, just to disciple people. And they had a bunch of Alcoholics Anonymous groups meeting at their church for the last five years with the hopes that those people would then come to their church, but that had never happened yet. And so they said, Jake, would you, you know, you do Bible studies with people. Maybe that can be the bridge. So I went to a couple open AA groups just to meet some people and invited them to, to read some stories of hope. Um, And two Spaniards and an American girl came to my first meeting and we just started doing a three thirds method. And AA is really interesting because they have the DNA that you kind of want. There's no like big organization telling you what to do. You, You don't have to meet in certain buildings. Leaders. There's not like established leaders. Everyone can be a leader. You come to the meeting and after a while you can turn around and sponsor somebody new. Uh, Everyone is taught to set goals and achieve, you know, and do them, be obedient. Everyone is taught to surrender. Everyone is taught there's a higher power. So I came in and, and, and just started talking about, let me tell you about that higher power. And we started reading about stories of hope about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And over the period of about eight months, the the people in my group stopped saying, I believe in a higher power and started naming that higher power as Jesus. And you just saw this transformation Mm -hmm. start happening until one day we had a really powerful moment reading Isaiah 53 and they, we just had the best discussion and the spirit was there. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, people were confessing Jesus is Lord. And I want to put my faith in him. And it was so fun just to look back and see how God had just brought us along. Mm -hmm. And so that group went from three to about 12 people. Uh, We had a Spanish and an English group And, and, and it was really just a a beautiful time of how God just, I never thought I was going to work with Alcoholics Anonymous, but God opened that door and I stepped through it and, you know, the, the fruit came from the obedience. Um, It's interesting how God led us to work with, I'll just say a Middle Eastern leader. Um, We weren't really focused on, on that, but one day I was out sharing the gospel in Seoul And I met a Moroccan man, I offered him prayer. He turned to me and asked, why would you pray for me? And I said, because I believe in the power of prayer and Jesus has changed my life. And so we had a great spiritual conversation. He was out of work. He had no wife, no job. He was really at the end of his rope and contemplating death even. And so I prayed, I said, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus that you receive a job. So two weeks later, he calls me, he gets a job. We're celebrating. I say, have you have you thanked Jesus? He said, no. So we pray and we thank Jesus, and he's somebody who's actually joined our our house church group. Well, because of that, I got invited into some refugee ministries, um, and I met a man, a Middle Eastern leader, who at a prayer meeting, and after a, a few weeks of meeting this guy, he came up to me and he said, Jake, God has highlighted you to me to to train me in discipleship and how to lead a healthy church i'm like i would love to do that i'm a little overwhelmed because i don't really know how to lead a middle eastern man in middle eastern churches but i know some basics and i can help you with that so as we start meeting i find out he has a two groups a group of 18 in a place where it is illegal to to share the gospel and to be a church and a group of 12 in another location. Um, and so I just be, uh, began mentoring him. He's saying, man, I, d- I don't have anyone stepping up to take these groups. I'm here in Madrid, but I need a leaders to, to raise up in these areas. And I just don't know that they're serious enough. So after talking about principles, how is the health of your group? What? How are you raising up disciples to be healthy leaders? He had several leaders raise up. <clears throat> started two new churches in this country. And then in the other country had, had another church planted. And so now all of a sudden he has five churches with about 10 leaders leading them. And he's now started a group here in Madrid, all in six months. <clears throat> and so people ask me all the time, how did you find this leader? How did this happen? Honestly, God just brought him to us through praying for somebody on the street really was the avenue that God used it. And it was like God knew exactly when he wanted me to connect with this leader. He Mm -hmm. gave me fruit with a Moroccan Muslim man in order to lead me to this leader.
0: Yeah, you know, when you are so focused on a vision, we want to see healthy disciples producing healthy disciples, producing healthy disciples all over. It drives us and it helps us filter for the right people. It helps um, us through persecution. It helps us to say no to good things. It helps us to depend on God. And so really our biggest thing is be obedient in the small things and really know what is your biblical vision um, that you're pursuing.
1: It wasn't really in our plan to start a house church, but when, when it was ready, God pushed us to do that. And as we had been just around our house having spiritual conversations, connecting with people over about a year. All of a sudden, in in about the span of two weeks, seven people all were interested in reading the Bible for the first time. And so it kind of just happened. Okay, these people are ready. Let's just gather them all together because we don't have enough time to have seven different Bible studies. And so a house church was birthed that, you know, grew from about seven to probably at its pinnacle, it's about 15 people, 60% lost they're not. And so we're practicing how to pray. Um, as it was funny, as we were sharing our like 15 second testimony or just what God has done in our life, non-believers wanted to share what God had been done in their life and they wanted to share their testimony. Mm-hmm. And as we we were practicing like the three circles gospel on a, on a whiteboard, cause we wanted to share the gospel with them. Non-believers got up and wanted to practice sharing the three circles gospel and drawing it out. And so it's just been a real joy to see the growth of these people and how God just brought people in right around us uh, together to study. And again, an Italian, Venezuelans, Spaniards, Moroccans, Aussies, you know, Americans all meeting together, but it's just people right around our apartment. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been really fun.
0: You know, we have two boys, we have two young boys that moved with us and they're a part of it. I mean, they go to the house church with us. I remember back in Dallas, when we were at this mobile home park, we took our five-year-old and one-year-old with us. That was our family thing. We just took them everywhere we went. And my five-year-old would be the door knocker. And then he would, you know, we would introduce, but he was a part of it. And he heard these conversations when he was five, he said, can I share the gospel? And we were like, okay. And he shared the three circles with, I mean, we thought we should have taught him that, but he really saw it happen so often. And he saw the joy it brought us, the responses that it triggered that he's like, I want to do that. And so um, he's a part of the ministry here. I mean, he engages kids at his school in conversations. He can train the 411. And, um, you know, we do these things as a family. We He's been on Paul's journeys with us. And so It's a real, it's not a burden to have kids or a family do this. We just go everywhere together. They go with us and do things. And so that's an encouragement for families too, that God wants to use the whole unit. And are they learning Spanish? They're very good at Spanish. Actually, he has to help us often when we're on the street. We're like, what did he say? And my son helps us. So, yes.
1: We just kind of put him in Spanish school and it was difficult. For the first six to nine months to for them. Um, but now it's paid off, off all that, okay. that struggle that they went to because they have English and Spanish so well. It's, they're mm-hmm. way past us. And uh, so they can engage, you know, people. If, if I'm struggling with a word or something in there with me, they can jump in and help. Um, and so, yeah, God, it's cool how God uses our children in that way. Mm-hmm. I think the main thing for me is looking back when I was a minister, it was a joy if when I shared the gospel or preached a great message and somebody responded. But then as God has shown me how to raise up leaders and healthy disciples, it is so much of a greater joy to see a brother and sister in Christ step into their calling equipped with a few tools and then take off with it. And when they share the gospel, when somebody responds to them, they share the story, they get to walk alongside. There's so much greater joy in seeing that mm-hmm. than if I had just done it myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something God really taught me is it's not about me, but it's about all of us. And so let's do this together.
0: Mm-hmm. How about for you, Stacy? Yeah, that's a great question. Many things. But from my my moment of surrender several years ago to today, um, there's a lot of things that we get hung up on as believers. Who can do what? What is the woman's role? What you know? And when you go out and you engage with the Spirit, He will show you your giftings. You know, we take all these tests in the church. What is my gifting? The Spirit will show you, and He'll show you how to use them. And, um, he'll show you how they work with your spouse. How does your giftings work with your spouse's giftings? He shows you your place in the kingdom, your priesthood. And so I, it's really taught me like, let's not sit around and argue about those things. Let's just all be committed to going out and engaging with the spirit, learning to hear his voice. And he's going to show us exactly how does the gospel work in this culture? How, what is the woman's place in, in the kingdom? Um, and so. Yeah, just really relying on the spirit to do those things and releasing control of that.
1: Our hope is that we will see several Spaniards grasp this vision, see the modeling that we've done in our house group and think, I can do this with my friends. And for us to see several groups formed across the city because madrid is such a small city you can't really grow a church past 400 people but if we can really start seeing this saturation of house groups or meeting in the park or things like that that's what we want to see and also inter- madrid is such an international city if we can see these other leaders raised up from north african countries middle eastern countries european countries with this vision They can do it here, but they can also take it with them to their their work, you know, their place where they used to live or they can do like our leader, do Zoom calls, raising up leaders and leading churches through Zoom. Um, That's what we want to see. We want to see a global impact through a global city here in Madrid.
0: Yeah, see it ringing out. And let our names not be on any of it. We want to someday leave this place and no one even remembers Shake and Stacy were here. You know, it's just about what God is doing and the ring out of that. Well, if you're enjoying the Movement's podcast, why don't you leave a review or spread the word through social media? This has been Steve Addison for the Movement's podcast.